Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Bucketless Gamers podcast. I am Eddie and I am once again joined by my co-host Jay. Hello. There we go. And this week we are looking at a personal favourite of mine. It, it is a bit of an obsession of mine to be fair. And we are looking at Dark Souls, which is number 54 in the list and came out in 2011 for multiple platforms. I think because they were genuinely trying to push it at that point because... Its predecessor, Demon's Souls, which, quick aside on that, never understood why they called it Demon's Souls rather than just Demon <laughs> Souls, because it's so much easier to pronounce. But yeah, that only came out for the PS3 and didn't sell particularly well, got a bit of a cult following behind it. And then when Dark Souls came out, it had massive hype behind it because it was sort of a a bit of a video game snobbery thing of video games these days are too easy, so let's play this really challenging Japanese RPG that is so hard, so difficult, and it it makes you want to pull your own fingernails off. And yeah, it it sort of gained a massive cult following after that. Yeah, it all passed me by. I don't know why, what I was doing in 2011 that I didn't see this or get involved with it probably playing fallout from like five years before that or something like that but yeah i don't know i don't 2011 i should have been all over this and i just never had it weren't even aware of it until i don't know probably like elden ring time i obviously knew these games existed but i had no sort of interest or looking into them at all until elden ring and that obviously came with all the hype as well didn't it and and everyone going crazy for that and at that point i was like oh maybe i should look into it a bit more and I think, again, I know I sound like this miserable old curmudgeon that doesn't like any games anymore, but it's just, I, I do enjoy playing them. I'm just not good at them, and it, it frustrates me, which I know they're designed to do, but it just then frustrates me to the point of I don't want to play it anymore. And Elden Ring is an example, because this is my experience of the series, is that game and, and that game alone. First time I got it, I was like, oh, I'm proper geared up for this. I want to play it, really looking forward to it. Turned it on went completely the wrong direction to what you're meant to go because I know the Dark Souls games sort of lead you very clearly down a path don't they and I know they don't hold your hand or tell you where you need to go but it is quite a linear experience whereas Elden Ring is come out and literally go wherever you want and do whatever you want and I came out completely ignored the fact that I probably should have just gone straight forward turned around and went a different way was looking around got killed multiple times by things that I had no right trying to fight. I'd picked a bad class as well, as it later transpires, but I didn't know this at the time. And I found this little underground thing full of rats, and I was like, I can beat rats. Rats shouldn't give me any trouble. So I took these rats out after like five goes, because they just kept ganging up on me and killing me. And there was a chest, and I thought, oh, this chest probably got something in it really good that'll help me. Open the chest, and it warped me into this like mine, that was full of really, really strong enemies, and I couldn't get back. And in the end, I ran out and tried to attack one, just got immediately annihilated. So I'm like, right, I'm going to sneak out. So I snuck out of this mine as much as I could. They all started chasing me. I legged it, found a fire so I could save it at least, and then just proceeded for about four hours to just get killed by anything I encountered because it had walked me halfway across the map, even further from where I should be. And I think the last thing that killed me was this ghost that looked like the Burger King mascot. You know, the terrifying Burger King (laughs) with the huge head and the crown. Identical to that, but blue and ethereal. And he was just battering me from about 
I don't know, 500 yards, so I couldn't even get close to him. And I just went, no, and turned it off. And then Ric Flair, one of our Patreons, I was talking to him about it, and he's like, oh, these, I love these games. So he ended up coming around, and we played, we played it together, as in he literally played it, and I sat there and watched and went, you need to use a potion now, or something's coming from that direction, and, and acted like a second pair of eyes. And we got relatively far in it, but it's one of those games that you have a week off it. You completely forget where you are, what you're doing, how to play it. And we ended up in that situation, so we've not played it for a while now. But it, I, it is fun, and I do. There are a lot of games where it's difficult, and I like the repetition of just grinding to get better and better and better. But I tend to prefer it in like roguelike games, like Enter the Gungeon and Rogue Legacy and stuff like that, where you progressively get better and you notice you're getting better at it. Whereas on Dark Souls and Elden Ring, that I feel like that process is a lot more protracted and it's very small steps and you need to play it for a long time to realize how much better you are than when you first started it and i think that's probably what puts me off really investing in a game like that that said i do enjoy watching played i think it is for me it is one that i will enjoy watching someone else suffer as they do it and i think the other thing about elden ring i don't know if dark souls works in the same way there were bits in it where we went into a boss fight, for example, and you, when you die, your experience falls out of you, doesn't it? And you can go back and collect some of it and get some of your stuff back. That happened in the boss room, which you can't leave once you enter. So we then got stuck in this cycle of we're either going to lose loads of experience points because we'd not done anything with it for ages, or we beat this boss. So we ended up fighting the same boss for about an hour straight until we either got lucky or figured its pattern out, I don't know which, and actually beat it and then we were able to keep the experience. But that would have drove me to the point of frustration if I was the one that was controlling it. And, and bless old Ric Flair, he soldiered on and we actually did manage to get the win in the end and carry on. But yeah, it's one of those, I think my, just before we crack on, my first experience of a Dark Souls type thing I got a mobile game, and I don't think it was Dark Souls itself. I don't, but it looked very similar to those games, and it was the same thing. You were fighting these huge monstrosities that you have no right to beat, but doing certain things you could beat them. But it was all swiping, so you literally got into a fight with this big enemy, and it's like swipe left to avoid that attack, swipe right to avoid that attack, swipe forward to attack. And that's pretty much all you could do, but they made it really interesting because all the enemies were different. I remember one enemy was like this huge, there's, I think there's a sword stuck in the ground and you went up to it and tried to pull it out and this huge enemy comes out of the ground to fight you. And depending on how you beat it, you could go in two different paths and it was branching paths. And I really enjoyed that and I played it loads, but it nearly broke my phone because it was so intensive. It made my phone turn into like a heat brick. And I had to stop playing it eventually for fear that it might melt all the solder inside it and just stop my phone from working. But that was my probably first experience of that type of you're just going to get punished constantly until you get good type of game. To your point, it you never feel like you get stronger like you find in most RPGs and even sort of roguelikes. You will acquire gear in roguelikes where you feel you noticeably get stronger. Granted, the enemies usually scale with you, so you you, you do more damage, but the enemies' health bars are longer, so it sort of balances off. But in Dark Souls, I mean, the tagline of the game 
the original game anyway is prepare to die and it's it's completely apt for the entire series to be honest because you die a lot in dark souls unless you are supremely good at it and i mean i've seen people who can play it using um so dance mats and stuff like that Mm. have completed the entire game and have done like full dark souls trilogy runs where they get no hits and if they get hit, they have to restart the from game one again and go through it. And I've seen people complete them. It is one of those games where the get good hmm. thing is banded about a lot. You do need to get your timings down. You do need to get your patterns down and you need to learn from your mistakes or because just throwing yourself at the problem doesn't do you any good. And I kind of get the feeling that that is why it puts people off and a lot of... Every time a new Souls-like game comes out, particularly the From Software ones, there is always that, oh, I wonder if they're going to put an easy mode in. That is the one ask of people when they hear a new Souls-like is coming out. Can it have an easy mode? And I kind of get it because you do want to be able to experience this world because I threw myself at the first one a lot and didn't really get very far. I think I ended up in the Undead Berg and I just ended up with the dragon on the bridge and it just lit me on fire every time I tried to run past it. It just lit me on fire and killed me. And I just ended up in this depressing cycle of I can't get any further in this game. The storytelling in Dark Souls is odd, like really odd, to the point where people have made a YouTube living off Dark Souls lore videos. There is no explicit story, really, except for what you find in item descriptions and you piece together from dialogue choices with NPCs. And the NPCs are bloody weird as well, so that doesn't help. They all speak in riddles. But yeah, it it is a very, very odd series for the following that it's got. Like, I wouldn't... if, If you sort of ran me through the story of Elden Ring, one, it'd take you a couple of hours because you'd have to start about 2,000 years before the start of Elden Ring, and then work your way up to the storyline of Elden Ring. And the amount of characters in it that have fully fleshed out backstories that you don't really delve into in the while playing the game, and you can miss entire it was like core characters to the, to the cast by just not going in a particular castle. And it's just like... It, how, how how is this storytelling? But it works so well in Dark Souls. And I think it's that level of intrigue that sort of suckers me in that I want to know more about that world and the people in it. So I do try and comb every area and get the shit kicked out of me by skeleton wheels and flaming ghost heads and stuff like that. But yeah, it is, it is definitely one of my favourite series. I feel like... For a lot of people, and that's not everyone, because obviously there will be people that play it to see everything it offers in storyline terms. I think a lot of people don't play Elden Ring for the story or Dark Souls for the story. I think a lot of people play it to be punished almost and to to get that hit of adrenaline and, and accomplishment when you actually do something in it eventually like even taking out some of the smallest enemies or clearing out an area 
to the point where you get that little energy refill, don't you? Because you've taken out everybody in an area. It feels like a massive accomplishment sometimes when you've had to do it two or three times and then all of a sudden you do manage to do it. So I think a lot of people, the storyline, especially for me anyway, when we were playing it, a lot of the dialogue I skipped through because we knew we only had X amount of hours to get as far as we could. And I, I think we did one bit where we unearthed a bloke that had been turned into a massive tea kettle or something or a bowl or something like that and i was like i'm not really that interested in why he's a bowl let's just do what or kettle let's just do whatever he's asking and get it over with so there was bits like that i mean there was somewhere i was vaguely interested like a guy that had been turned into a tree or something and you can hear him talking you go and talk to him that that bit was more me because it was a bit less serious and a bit fun but yeah a lot of it for us was just let's see how much we can beat and how far we can get and the law sort of came secondary whereas i think in games like fallout and bioshock the story is front and center and then everything else is is a secondary thing to it like and that's why fallout i think gets away with the fact that the combat's not that brilliant when you actually look at it in isolation and it's full of glitches and a lot of the environments look the same or they're empty or but the story pulls it together so well and everyone's so well written and cohesive that it just works whereas Elden Ring doesn't really have to rely on that because it's got that tight gameplay that just keeps you coming back to think oh maybe this time I'm going to be able to do it and invariably you don't, but then you come back again and again and again, and then eventually, like I said, you either get lucky or you get good or you get a piece of equipment that really helps or something changes that just tips you over that edge of getting slaughtered to being able to be resilient enough to survive it. And then that feeling is like, oh, I've done it, I can take on the world now. And then you go to the next thing and it just destroys you again and you start all over again. And yeah, and I think it's got a good level of reward to it. Like you beat a big boss, you tend to get something decent out of it. It's not like you like on Fallout, for example, when you kill a Deathclaw or something and it's got one Deathclaw meat that's useless. And you think, I've just pumped like 20 rounds of ammo into that to try and take it down. I've got literally nothing from it. At least if you built an, beat an Elden Ring or a Dark Souls boss or something, you're probably going to get a half-decent sword or a piece of armour or at least a lot of money. or Do you know what I mean? That There seems to be a good level of progression without it going, here's a master sword that's going to wipe everything out for the rest of the game because this is all random, good luck sort of thing. It doesn't seem to do that very often. No, and you do get a bit of a runner's high off it. It is that sort mm. of sadomasochistic bashing your head against a brick wall for hours on end until you finally knock the brick wall down and then you get that swell of borderline pride really in your accomplishment when all you've done is beaten a load of ones and zeros in the shape of a dragon but i to be honest with you when people say why do you like dark souls i genuinely struggle to explain why it's not one of those games because especially the first one the combat is janky an enemy with a spear can hit the sum, hit sort of the size of a shipping container, and it does like really the the biggest bosses are the most graceful in that they can literally spin three hundred and sixty degrees, lock onto you while you're rolling, and smash you in that one frame of non invincibility you get in your dodge roll, and it's just like so the combat's awkward. I won't say it's horrendous because the first one was particularly after Demon Souls. Demon Souls is 
was janky as hell. The remake has made massive improvements on that. But the Dark Souls was, of course, the next sort of tentative steps into a wider world from the game from the game's perspective anyway. And the, the combat's still janky as hell. This this scenery in the skybox is something that sets Dark Souls apart because if you see something in the distance, like a ruin or a cathedral, 99% of the time you can end up going there. It's not like one of those massive, impressive-looking skyboxes in AAA, uh, some AAA games where you can see something off in the distance, but you will never go there. It is just there as set dressing to make the game look impressive, whereas Dark Souls fundamentally is impressive on a layout level because there's no map, which is horrific at the best of times. And you just find yourself in constant loops where you're unlocking a door and going, oh, I wonder what this is. I'm back at the f***ing beginning of the level again, because of course I am, because that was a shortcut. (laughs) Thanks for that. I'm just going to go down the other, one of the other four or five sort of corridors that I walked past. And oh, look, they're all full of death. (laughs) You just end up in these cycles. The game is ridiculously hard. There is no plot to speak of if you don't go looking for it yourself. So the graphics aren't phenomenal. I mean, Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne, and Elden Ring, fantastic graphics. Beautifully done. Dark Souls 1, not that great. It's all quite blocky and still, you know, early days. So I don't get what I like about it, but there is something that has sort of wormed its way inside my brain that tells me, I love Dark Souls games, I love Souls-likes, and every time a new one comes out, do I try it? The only one I haven't tried up till now is Lies of P, which is the one based on Mm. Pinocchio. And that is because it is supposed to be the hardest Souls-like ever created up until this point. And that does put me off, because at a certain level, I just want to go, I don't want to do it anymore. I've downloaded it because it's on Game Pass. Or it was, whether it still is, I'm not sure. And then, yeah, I read what you've just said, and I was like, yeah, I'm not ready for that. It it looks fun, and I like, I want to know the story of it. Yeah. But I just feel like I'm not going to be able to cope with that game, and it's just like I say, it's going to frustrate me to no end. I'm going to get nowhere, and then I'll just end up watching a playthrough. So I may as well just jump the gun and go and watch the playthrough instead, and and just go from there. I have been looking back through my um extensive game library to try and figure out, well, app library, to try and figure out what that game was that I was talking about on my uh, iPhone. And I can't see it in here. So it looks like whatever it was, either I'm missing it or it's been taken down off, off the app store, which sounds more likely if it was making people's phones practically explode. But on another note, it, I was looking through these and apparently at some point I downloaded and played a game called... I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here that I don't ever remember downloading or playing. But this one stood out to me, as as it probably would to anyone, when you look through and see a game called Embarrassing Bodies, Angry Boils, which I don't, <laughs> I, I don't remember ever seeing or playing. It's no, It's no longer available on the App Store, so I don't know why that other game's not showing, because that one's not showing as, as available anymore. So you'd think the other one would still be on there, but it isn't. So yeah, that God knows what that entailed. That might be one to Google after the episode. I'm hoping it was a game and not some sort of uh, like medical lookup that I've, I've completely blanked out because <laughs> I went through a particularly Just... painful boil at some point in my life. 
Uh, the, the way you described it, it sounds like Titan Souls, which mm. was a very interesting take on the Souls genre because it was isometric and it was a one-hit kill game, both for yourself right. and for the boss. I don't think what you've described is because there weren't any dodge mechanics really mm. that used you to, made you have to flick the screen or anything. But yeah, you had an arrow, a single arrow and you had to hit the boss whilst dodging around all of its attacks sort of thing. And there, were, I think there were about 20 or so bosses, each one sort of more extravagant and convoluted than the last. But yes, they killed you in one hit and you could kill them in one hit if you got lucky enough with the arrow. I just don't know why it's not here, you know what I mean? Because I definitely played it on, on an iPhone, and this is my iPhone like account going back to the day I got it. So it's very strange. I mean, all the other hits are in here, like Simpsons Tapped Out and uh, <laughs> God knows how many Candy Crush rip-offs. Jurassic Park Builder, spent a good few years playing that. So yeah, it's a bit of a strange one that it's no longer in here, but if I do ever figure out what it is, I'll mention it on a future, because I remember it being really fun, and like I got really into it for a time. It just really did, like, it, it would drain a battery from 100 to, like, 10% in, like, 30 minutes. It was so intensive. But the graphics were like a AAA game. It looked brilliant, so that's probably why. But, yeah, whatever it was, it looks like Apple have blasted every trace of it from the App Store in as much as I can't even see the icon for it anymore, which is a shame because it was decent from what I remember. But back to Dark Souls and, and the like. What would you class as the best game in the series then? Would it be this one that's in the list or? No, but 2016 was, I think it 2016 was just after Dark Souls 2 and just before Dark Souls 3. So uh, Dark Souls 3 was a lot easier but it came with massive advancements in technology so the graphics were absolutely stunning. Dark Souls 2 is a bit of an outlier in the series, really. it's it's Some people really like it, but the majority of fans of Souls-like don't rate it that highly. And I think that's because the, the game as a whole loses the series sort of traditional weird, horrific monstrosities. It is quite a lot of a dude in armour. It is varying degrees and sizes of a guy with armour on. Um, that's kind of what Dark Souls 2 boils down to in terms of bosses. My personal favourite is Bloodborne, but that's because it's got it's it's Eldritch horror, um, and there is an equally complicated plot, but it's more involved for you as the player, and it's a lot faster paced. There is a lot less tactical rolling. It is a lot more. Um, you don't get shields for a start, so you replace your shield with a gun instead so like a blunderbuss or a cannon and you can repost attacks instead of sort of parrying and dodging out of the way but yeah that one for me is sort of like peak dark souls so you've you've answered my question there because i was going to ask you what the difference was between a dark souls and a bloodborne game so is it just the the setting and then like you say the the fact that you've got a bit more weapon variety rather than a shield or is there more to it than that um, there's a bit more to it than that. There is a significant difference between Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. So each one mm. has made progressive steps and there are significant changes as you go along. But they are all quite medieval fantasy, whereas Bloodborne is sort of Victorian, right. gothic horror. There's a lot more to do with blood, hence the name, uh, in Bloodborne. 
everything is blood. And so everything from Dark Souls that was Souls related, they have literally just lifted, shifted, and replaced the names <laughs> with blood instead. So you get blood esters, blood vials instead of your um, ability to heal blood echoes instead of souls which you can use to level up your character the game is really weird like necronomicon and um hp lovecraft levels of those weird horror cosmic horrors and a lot of sort of blood sacrifice and stuff like that um but it's still a very very well and competently put together game one that I'm surprised has never had a sequel or hasn't even had a remake or a remaster. It is just stuck on the PS4. Um, I don't even think there's been one for Steam. I think it is just sat on the PS4 unless it has been modded and shipped onto a uh, onto Steam. But last I remember anyway, it hadn't been changed and upgraded for Steam. No, it does say just platform PS4, yeah? And it is a Sony exclusive they'll be i think they'll struggle to relinquish it over to anybody else really but in that case give us a a remaster or a remake to be fair one of the nicer ones of the series if there is such a thing is sekiro shadows die twice because that is a very involved plot it is very linear your character is an actual character he has a name he has a voice and he actively participates in the storyline of rather than just being some random git with a halberd who goes around stabbing things and killing bosses. He is actively involved in the storyline and it's more, it's very parry focused. So if you can't get the parry timings down, it, the game will just eat you alive. But it is a lot more forgiving in the early days up until you get like to the midway point and then the bosses just sort of ramp up ridiculously. But you do learn more from your mistakes in Sekiro than you do in Dark Souls. So going back to Bloodborne, you've got a couple of options if you want to play it now. It is on PS5 for fifteen ninety nine, but it does say that certain features may not work. But I can't imagine. I, that sounds like something that you stick on any game that's not specifically made for the PS5. So that's fifteen ninety nine, or it's included in PlayStation Plus Extra which is the, I think, the second tier, is it? Yeah. So if, you, if you're if paying for that, you get it included in that. Or there's 30 quid, there's the Game of the Year edition. So there are still options to play it, but not as easy as it probably should be. The more you talked about it then, that was probably the one that I was keen to play. So I might go and have to look at my PS5 account and just see if it's ever... Because it might be that I've already got it. Sometimes they did them on like their version of Games with Gold and stuff like that, didn't they? So. Yeah. Might be that I've already got it on there and I just didn't know it. That one does sound interesting to me, and I've just read that it's one of the more forgiving ones in the series as well, in terms of difficulty. It is. So, yeah, it is, and like I say, the storyline's there, and you can get a better gist of it. To bring on to my next question, then, if you were talking to somebody who hadn't played any of these games, aka me, apart from Elden Ring, where would you suggest they start for like the, I suppose, the easiest or the most not the most accessible, because most of them you can play in some way or another. But like, what would you say is the most accessible game in terms of getting into it and knowing what you're doing without having janky controls and stuff holding you back? I would probably say Bloodborne is one of the easier ones to get into, particularly if you're a bit, if you like a bit of gothic horror 
It's not hmm. scary by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a lot easier to understand. The combat has nicer flow to it. You can recover health as well in combat, as opposed to having a little pause to take a swig out of your Estus flask mm-hmm. and hoping to God that the fat demon thing with the massive club isn't going to smash your f***ing head in while you're mid-drink. <laughs> you can... Um, so if you if a boss hits you and you are able to hit back within a certain time frame, you can recover some of your health. So right. I think it's the whole blood thing. You are dousing yourself mm. in their blood and it recovers some of yours, that kind of thing. Followed up by Sekiro. Sekiro isn't for everybody because it's, for most Souls fans, it's too linear. There isn't a lot of exploration to it and there isn't a lot of dodge rolling or anything like that. It is very much, you are a samurai and it is a lot of reposting and parrying attacks and you do have to get the parry timing down well in order to beat quite a lot of the bosses. Yeah. I'd then probably say Dark Souls 3. That was easier than most. I have played the majority of Dark Souls 2 and didn't get on with it at all i just don't know what it was it just didn't click with me i'm assuming it's because it was quite dry and quite boring coupled with the fact that it was at the point where dark souls was at its most vague in terms of where to go next dark souls one is kind of linear there is a specific direction you need to head and you will find that there is a natural difficulty curve in the game you can you can go one of three ways at the beginning of the game one way is suicide one way is quite challenging and the other way is just nice gentle easy steps into it but it does get quite difficult but it ramps up rather than just brick wall and probably dark souls one and then i'd say either demon souls or elden ring but elden ring is one of the most challenging that i've had (laughs) so i picked a good place to start basically yeah is what you're saying. I feel like we also need to put out a little warning there. The day and age we live in, if you do get hurt by something, don't try and use someone else's blood to heal yourself. No, 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 no. Because you're going to end up with idea. more problems than <laughs> you're going to end up with more problems that way. That's how nasty diseases get spread around. So don't do that in real life. I mean, you shouldn't have to say that, should you? But then you shouldn't have to put "don't drink" on bottles of bleach, and you still have to do that. So. I feel it, it's okay. worth it bears saying just in case we don't want any uh, any repercussions coming back on us. But I think I will try Bloodborne if I can if I can manage to get hold of it. I think that might be a good place I'll I'll start and give it a go. Yeah, I think the closest to a Dark Souls game that I've played and it isn't that close would be the Jedi Survivor game because although it isn't that insane difficulty level some bits of it are quite tricky and you'll die a couple of times doing them but it uses the campfire mechanic doesn't it of you can clear this whole level out but if at any point you want to heal yourself you're bringing everyone back again and i think that was my first experience of that kind of mechanic which obviously comes from your dark souls games and can be a pain in the ass sometimes I mean, it's it's obviously designed to be, isn't it? That's the whole point of it. Like, you're not getting anything for nothing. You you can have this heal, but you're going to have to fight a load of people again. So unless you've got better than you were last time, you're probably just going to end up in the same situation. So I can see why they've done it. But yeah, yeah, it, did, it, yeah. it was a bit frustrating on, on Jedi Survivor when you clear a whole place out 
And then sometimes I'd forget and I'd be like, oh, camp, campsite, I'd best heal up. And I was like, oh, for sake, they're all coming back now, aren't they? And then I'd have to go through and fight my way through them all again. And and from a purely gameplay standpoint, if you are in that world, there is no logical reason for that being in a Star <laughs> yeah. Wars game. It makes sense in Dark Souls because nothing can mm. die, essentially. It all just comes back to life uh, eventually after a couple of days. The lore-wise, the, anything that gets killed immediately raises from the dead after a couple of days of laying on its ass. Whereas in Star Wars at no point during any of the other Star Wars films <laughs> does Ben Kenobi get sawn in half and then immediately just pops back to life again because <laughs> a stormtrooper decided to have a nap. Yeah, even Zelda managed to sell it better, didn't they, with the Blood Moon thing in um, Breath yes. of the Wild? Even that makes more sense than the Star Wars thing. So yeah, that's my... I mean, I, I think another thing we've mentioned in previous podcasts is worth mentioning here, is that Tenchu was a very early From Software game, wasn't it? And it this seems to stem from that. It was a very similar experience. Yeah, Tenchu is one of those games that not many people have heard of, but those that have heard of it know it by its <laughs> reputation alone because I, I don't think many people have played Tenchu, I would assume, because it's one of those games that you probably bought when it was on what PS One, was it ten? PS One, yeah, I I did have it, and it was incredibly frustrating. But it was like a brand new experience. I'd never played a game that was like that before. So me and a couple of mates really got into it, and we played it quite a lot. And it was quite brutal as well. There was things that happened in that game that you weren't seeing in other games. Like I think the first boss, you just cleave his head off at the end of the fight and just leave it laying on the floor and we weren't used to seeing that kind of thing in games to to that detail of graphics back then so it got a lot of attention for us and it was um i liked it because there was benefits to being stealthy because you're a you a ninja or an assassin or something like that in it aren't you so there are benefits to being stealthy so you could run around on rooftops and drop down chimneys and stuff and it made things a lot easier but it didn't particularly punish you for just running in and slashing the out of everyone. So there was two ways you could do everything. And the dialogue was very sort of dubbed Japanese film. The way I don't know if they'd done that on purpose or it was just how it translated, but that was the impression it gave. And it was, I don't think it meant to be, but it was quite funny in parts to play it. So we used to get a real laugh out of playing it when it probably wasn't, that wasn't the intention, I don't think, from the developers, but we got quite a laugh out of it. So I did play it quite a lot, but yeah, you mention it these days and not many people have heard of it. I think, did they do like an updated version and it just didn't get any traction whatsoever? Yeah, I think so. And I don't think it was by the same team. I think it was picked up by another developer and it just wasn't well received because it was one of those brought into the modern day with modern sensibilities, and I think a lot of people got put off by it. They've done quite a few by the look of it. Yeah, one of the other games that has just struck me that is quite a nice introduction to the Souls-like series is Lords of the Fallen. Mm. The remake, not the original, because the original is I've had the original and I did not get on with it, so I'm glad you've clarified that because I was about to say we've played different games if that's the case. No, no, the original was some uh, company trying to rip on Dark Souls and actually sort of try and crib off their success, but with no talent at all. 
the remake of Lords of the Fallen, which again is just called Lords of the Fallen, and it came out last year, I think, um, mm-hmm. is actually competently put together and quite a nice easing in story-wise and into the combat. Uh, yeah, it, it's a nicer intro to a Souls-like. But yes, you are right. There are a lot of ten shoes. <laughs> Look, looking at the list, the last three games that came out. I mean, this this tells you all you need to know about the franchise. The last three games that came out ten shoe wise were for the PlayStation Portable and the Wii. Jesus. So the 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 latest three were all on PSP, and the the third of those oldest was on Wii as well. So that's probably why the franchise didn't do too well. Although the Wii one is rated quite highly on the Internet Gaming Database, which is strange because I wouldn't have thought it would be. And then, like the lowest rated one was for Xbox. Yeah, very very strange way around. But I mean, even the lowest one looks to have got a sixty-five rating. The Wii one got an eighty-one. Oh, so maybe it's probably the um, Wii Remote slash effect that'll uh, play more yeah because yeah, I had one, was it Red that came out on release where you got a sword and yes. um, and that was a terrible game but I played it a lot because it was fun because you never had that slashing the sword on screen thing so played it a lot more than it probably deserved to be played just because of that gimmick so yeah maybe Tenchu bought into that one although on PS Portable I can't see where it was getting the allure from on there because it it would not have looked great, would it, for a start? And um, without that slashing on a tiny motion, screen. I can't... yeah, I just I, I don't think anything did particularly well on the PSP, did it? No, or the Vita? Not really. I mean, the v, the Vita itself didn't do very well, did it? Never mind the games on it. Surprising that the DS did so well when you think about it. Yeah. Because you'd think it'd fall victim to the same issue, wouldn't you? But I don't know if it's because there was two screens, so they didn't have to cram it all on one, or... I th- to be honest with you, I think it's because Nintendo designed the games for it, whereas mm. a lot of these were probably aiming to be like a full-boxed console release. And they went, oh, well, the game isn't ma- technically massive, so how about you develop it for this little handheld we've got? And they literally had to cut corners and cram it into this clunky handheld. But I am disappointed that the PS Vita didn't do too well because I actually liked that console quite a lot. It had the little touchpad on the back, didn't it, which made yeah. things different. Uh, I remember playing, because one of my mates got one, I think I played FIFA on it, and it actually was quite intuitive because you could use the touch on the back to, I think, drag players about so you could like move them off the ball. And it did. I, I played it and I thought, oh, that's really clever. And it had only just come out. He bought it on release, I think. And I was like, oh, I bet that's going to really take off. And then, like, was it like a year and a half later, they just discontinued, yeah. discontinued it completely, which is a shame because I, I think we're a bit lost on handhelds now. You've got the Switch, which isn't really a handheld, and there's nothing else, is there now? Um. Well, aside from stuff like your Steam Deck. And stuff like that, it, but it's not a handheld in the traditional sense. No, because it's not convenient. Like you can, I know people do, and it's weird, but you can't slip like a, a Steam Deck in the back pocket and go out and then just play it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. I used to take my DS on holiday with me, 
So I'd go, if we went to the beach or the pool, it's tiny little form factor. It chucks in your bag dead easy. It's not going to get damaged because you've got it zipped inside a little hard case. Whereas like, I wouldn't want to take my Steam Deck to the beach and risk like a 600 quid console getting sand in it. And even then, they're not, you can't play them for a long time at that size, can you? Because the weight of everything, like on a DS, I could play a DS for hours because it's tiny and didn't weigh anything or you can stand it on like a little, because it stands up, doesn't it? So you can sit it down if you're not playing a, like if you're playing a game where it's all stylus controlled, you don't have to even hold it. Whereas a Steam Deck, uh, yeah, can you imagine just pitching up on a beach and being like, right, there's my Steam Deck, let me just get my mouse um, or my game pad or whatever. It just, it's not the same thing. I'd love it if somebody did a little, like a, just another 3DS, like a better 3DS. I mean, I suppose the thing that they've sort of come out with now is, is, is it called a backbone controller oh, that, that, that you can yeah. use for your phone, but it relies on you having a phone that isn't going to melt. Hmm. That you don't that has a decent battery life to it because most modern mobile phones don't last particularly long, particularly not when it comes to intensive use like that. I'm assuming you have to have a Wi-Fi connection or a three uh, like a five G connection to be able to stream the games onto your phone, which is hmm. okay while you're in this country. Not necessarily when you're getting roaming charges out the arse because you're on <laughs> holiday in a foreign country. I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but for me, I'm always a little bit against playing games on my phone because, especially not not at home so much, but out and about, because that is essentially in this day and age your lifeline, isn't it? Your phone. You get yeah. stranded somewhere, you ring someone, you you're running late, you text someone to tell them you're running late, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You want to look for train times, you bring it up on your phone. So for me, if I went out somewhere and I was like, oh, I've got an hour to kill, I'm going to play an hour on my phone on my Xbox. And then my phone battery ended up at 10% and I missed my train and I needed to get a lift and I can't ring anyone then. And I don't even know the number to ring because I'm that reliant on the phone book in my phone. I don't know anyone's numbers anymore. It just, that puts me off gaming on my phone just in case I ever push it too far. And and like these days I carry a power bank around me a lot of the time if I've got a bag. But even then I'm still a bit like, well, what if it's drained or do you know what I mean? There's... There's that risk, whereas if it was a DS and the battery ran out, I'm just like, oh, I can't play that anymore, back in the bag. And then I'll charge yeah. it up when I get home. So I think that's the difference again. But it's just, yeah, I think the the gaming sphere is missing a handheld. I don't recall a time we've ever not had one in some description. And I and like I say, you've got the Switch, but it, for me it isn't that. The Switch is handheld as a convenience. It's not designed to be taken out and about with you necessarily. And just like, oh, I'm on a bus for 20 minutes. I'll just pop out my Switch and play it. You just probably wouldn't do that. Yeah, there was the handheld that came out last year or the year before, but it was one of the worst received handhelds. Uh, Was it something like uh, it was developed by... Epic or so, Epic Games or something like that as sort of like a competitor to the Steam Deck, and it just flopped massively. And I, I know there's a couple, isn't there? There's Asus have done one, Lenovo have done one, but they're just like little mini PCs. Yeah, I think Epic did do one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what you're on about because I think I've seen it in YouTube videos where it's just not done well at all. No, it has flopped massively. 
I was thinking of the Amico, but that's not a portable. That's a, just a terrible console, isn't it? That never really yeah. delivered on what it was meant to be. But yeah, I think that's for me. That's what the world's missing. Like a, a little Game Boy. There's, there's nothing like. And I suppose you can get there's have the EverDrive done a portable now where you can play old games on it and. You can get these, I think I've got like one called a Pocket Go, but obviously that's a very spurious ground to be on when you're talking about what games you can and can't load onto there legally and that kind of thing. So the yeah. stuff does exist, but it's just to do it legally now. I don't think there's any good options for a little handheld that you can do, other than literally keeping all your DS and buying some new games for that, because I doubt there's many people that have played every DS game out there, but I would like an updated one where you can play better graphics games and stuff. But maybe that's a restriction. Maybe they can't make better graphics in that small form factor anymore. Yeah, very true. But then again, most DS games and 3DS games are now ridiculously expensive and they shut the electronic Service store down, down mm. two, two years ago, last year? Last year, I think. Towards the end of last year was the last for 3DS, yeah. yeah. And I think they've done the same for the Wii U, have they? Or oh, that's yeah, that coming went. soon? Because I think Mario Maker 1, there's like a month left or something before you won't be able to play that online, which essentially renders that game completely worthless because why would you build a level that you can't upload and you can't download anyone else's levels? So yeah, But there is actually a campaign going on. I don't know as of this coming out whether it'll still be going on, but there's a YouTuber called DGR and it's him and a load of I don't know if it's him that's fronted it but he's got involved with it in his videos there's a discord and stuff for it where they're trying to complete every level in Mario Maker 1 before the servers go offline and they've got it I think they're down to like 30,000 levels or something left so they really are like chipping away at it to the point where there's probably not going to be much left soon which is if they manage it that is like a pretty incredible feat so if anyone out there still got Mario Maker on their Wii U and wants to chip away at that, just search for it on, on Google. There's a Discord listing all the levels that are still available in the, the code, so you could just search one up and try and beat it. I think there's probably going to be... The reason they won't be able to get it down to zero, I think, is because there'll be levels that people have made and then Nintendo have patched out glitches, yeah. and that's the only way you can finish them. So those levels now stand completely unbeatable. But I think they've probably got a contingency in place for that to say this level literally cannot be completed, so we're knocking it out of the list of ones that are left. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that people have banded together to try and complete an online level maker game. It sounded quite fun. And you just know that, like, two two minutes to server switch off, some knobhead's going to upload a new level and be like, oh, that <laughs> yeah. one never got beat. <laughs> just, like, ruined the whole thing. Yeah. But there you go. Score-wise, again, Dark Souls, I can't really have an input on this week's score, so I will leave it to you to decide where you think it sits in R100. I, I, it's incredibly biased for me as... The majority of this list has been, to be quite fair. We've we've tried to be objective with a lot of it, but obviously our personal tastes and preferences have sort of overridden a lot of things, Tetris being one. Um, That's what we said, basically, was what we were always going to do as well. We always said this was our list and not 
not the public's list. Do you know what I mean? So if there's a game that we despise and everyone else in the world loves it, we're not going to give it 100 because everyone else likes it. I think it's fair enough to be biased. And and like I say, I, I think if I had played them, I'd like them. I just never got round to playing them. I mean, do you want to rate it as Dark Souls or do you want to rate it as Dark Souls, a collective from software games type thing? Or would you be happier to just do the one-off? I think if I if I do the Dark Dark Souls as a series or Souls like or the From Software games as a whole, it it will be pushing a hundred um, in terms of it because there is there is perfection from if you take them as a whole. But if we're just boiling it down to, I think it'd be a bit churlish if I did do that because that'd be ridiculously <laughs> unfair on everything else because it'd be like ignoring every other Zelda game. <laughs> yeah, because we've picked out the ones in um, ignoring like anything other than Resident Evil 2 and 4. Yeah, yeah. If you take Resident Evil as a whole, probably get a higher score. But I'd probably say mid-80s for Dark Souls itself. Do you want to go 84, 85? 84, 84 is fair. 84. So that's gone in the notebook. We do need to sit down between us and update the list on the website at some point because I don't think it's been up later for about 30 episodes now. Got 84 down in the book. That's another one done. We are under 10 games left now, officially. So I don't have I got a sound effect for that on here. It's the best I can offer at short notice. Um, God, it never stops. So yeah, we, we're under we're under ten now. So we're nearly there. There's a couple. In fact, I don't think there are any more that are going to get joined together, are they? Looking at what we've got left, it looks like we've probably got nine episodes left. Although there are a couple on there that I think we are really going to struggle to get a full hour out of. So maybe we yeah. will join a few together just to we might even join together like five of them because looking at it now i'm like i don't know what we're gonna say about some of them (laughs) yeah yeah there's about three that we can say anything sort of (laughs) generally cohesive and extensive on whereas the rest of them it's like it's a good game (laughs) Ah, that's about all i can say i have just realized as well one of the books we are looking to do in the future once we finish this so as we've explained before but if you've not heard Once we get to the end of this list, we're not stopping, much as some people might want us to. We are (laughs) cracking on with two more books. So we've got the top 100 Nintendo games to play before you die and the top 100 PlayStation games to play before you die. Whether we'll do them a book at a time or whether we'll mix them up, I don't think we've decided yet. I'm thinking 100 Nintendo games might really just drive us to the edge of despair. So we might need to interject some PlayStation ones and do it half and half. But I'm just thinking that Bloodborne's probably in there. So looking forward to that episode because we've pretty much covered that off. I, I could go proper in-depth in terms <laughs> of lore for Bloodborne. It, it, incidentally, while while we're on the subject of lore and stuff like that, if anyone has sort of watched playthroughs of Dark Souls and hasn't really had the first clue about what's going on in them or wants to sort of watch a Let's Play and then pick up the lore on the side of things, or you're just not gonna, you know, you're just not gonna get into the game, but you want to know more about the storyline of Dark Souls one, two, and three, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, Elden Ring. There is a gentleman on YouTube called Vati Vidya, which is V A A T I 
V-I-D-Y-A, all one word. And he has basically done law videos for every single entry in the series and it's broken down in terms of individual aspects of the storyline so it's not front to bit front to back all of the storyline in one go there are ones where he does overarching plot and then he'll mention some important characters in there and then it's for you to go and watch that video to get their storyline and see how it all sort of interweaves but he has quite a nice voice and it's something you can have on in the background while you're driving while you're doing other things just so you have that nice little thing in the back of your head just ticking over and you can learn about some very very interesting and very very twisted video game lore while you're at it i might have a look at that i'll wait to see if i can get bloodborne first so i don't ruin anything for myself I will try my hardest to play Bloodborne, Bloodborne even before it comes up in that book because I'm pretty sure it's going to be in there. So I'll try my best to play it. And I've said that about a lot of games and then literally haven't done. But I will put my efforts into playing that game before we get to it in the PlayStation book. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because we've got nine left to do. Next week, I don't even know where to begin looking at that list. I don't want to sort of sign us up for doing anything. There's two on there that I know we can talk about for days. Well, actually, maybe not for one of them. But there's there's one we need to leave for the last episode. So yeah. whether we can talk about it or not, that's got to be the last episode. And then there's another one we can talk about a lot. And then all the rest, yeah, I think we're going to be umming and ahhing and probably have to find some current game to talk about for half the episode. But we shall see. I'm not going to sign us up to do anything specific for the next episode, just in case. With Dark Souls in the book, I think it just leaves me to thank our Patreons. So I will go through the Patreon list today. We have got in the couple of coins here, we've got Harry Flynn. In the Bucket Kicker tier, we have got the Sweaty Llama and we've got Ric Flair. So thank you to you guys for supporting us and to the other Patreon supporters that I haven't mentioned, just let's point out because we don't mention everyone in the couple of coins tier uh, but thank you to all of you once again you are keeping us going and we really do appreciate it and yeah unless you've got anything else from the gaming world to cover this week uh, I know I said I was going to talk about Turnip Boy Robs a Bank but that'll have to wait for another iteration of the podcast I have 100% of it now so it's been deleted off my console and I probably will never play it again but I enjoyed my time with it while it was there and I can probably use that to fill in some of the gaps we're clearly going to have on some of these other games at some point. So I'll keep that in the bank. Uh, is there anything else from you? Have you anything this week that's come up that you wanted to mention? or um, Only that they have finally announced the next line in the Bioshock series. It's not called Bioshock as such. And I think it's one of those other spin-off-y sorts of things, and it's called Judas. And it mm. has very similar-looking combat, very similar-looking plasmids, or whatever it is they choose to call them this time, or Vigors. And it does look like a return to form. or Well, it looks like it's promising to be a return to form, because mm. we thought that with Atomic Heart, that it was a yeah. return to form for a Bioshock-esque game. But it does look good. I think the trailer is currently only pre-rendered which i never like basing my entire opinion on because they are very deceptive 
when everything's choreographed for you, a game can look fantastic, yeah. but you play it yourself and it plays like shit. But yeah, I am. It is something I'm going to pay particularly close attention to as its development cycle continues. And the other thing to mention that's just sprung into my head as well apparently it is possible to do a good remaster of a game and not rip people off because the Tomb Raider trilogy is fantastic from what I've been told. So I know neither of us have had the chance to play it yet, but from other people that I've talked to that have, they've said it is brilliant and you can have a modern day control system on the original game. And one of the people I spoke to who played it said he turned it off and put it back to tank controls after five minutes because he just couldn't make any jumps. So it was that ingrained into his head, the old control system, that the new one just felt alien. So, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Apparently you can skin Lara Croft as old Lara or new Lara as well. So if you want to play with the old graphics, you've got that option. I think they're looking at adding more skins at some point for different iterations of Lara through the years. You can still lock the butler in the freezer. I think you even get an achievement for doing it now. So it's all there. And yeah, it's meant to be pretty good. I don't know if I'll get it until the price drops because it's not something that's right at the front of my radar at the minute. But if it does come down in price or go on Game Pass or PS Extra or whatever, I'll probably jump on it then and give it a go. But good news, when you look at what Metal Gear Solid did, at least it is there yeah. is proof out there that you can do it properly if you put the effort in. Yeah, definitely. I'm just waiting for a price to come down on Bluey. <laughs> no, don't. If anyone's got that game and wants to donate it to Eddie, get in touch <laughs> and we'll come and collect it off you and play it for the uh, for an episode. Right, that's enough there before we before we dox ourselves and give out an address or something and end up getting a load of rubbish sent to us. I will say that that is goodbye from me. That's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.